0: about my dilemma with environmental vegetarianism and while we're at
1: it I will take you on a journey to understand why we never say saw see and always say seesaw
0: hello and welcome to the Bantaman. we're calling this episode vegetarianism we are Naveen and Rishi just two guys talking about things that interest us mostly to amuse one another, and occasionally to learn something. These are freewheeling conversations about things that interest and fascinate us.
1: One of us talks about a hobby or an interest and the other takes more of a curious person role. We take turns being Socrates and Plato if you want to be highfalutin about it. So here we go. Alright, welcome listeners uh, to today's episode which is about vegetarianism Um, and Naveen I think you're going to talk about the dilemma that you have with vegetarianism which if I'm honest sounds like a very familiar problem
0: to me. (laughs) I'm glad, I'm glad because um, if you've known me uh, vegetarianism is not a word you'd associate (laughs) with me at all. Um, I love food, I love eating and I Basically, eat everything. Yeah. So um, today we'll talk about uh, this dilemma that I've been facing for some time now um, on uh, whether I should go vegetarian. Right. Um, so we'll we'll talk about different aspects of it. Um, and uh, to start off, I want to kind of uh, put this in context to um, you know roughly my uh, my food habits and their background where it comes from. Right. Right. And uh, kind of. Put it so you have a better idea of uh, where I'm coming from when I talk about uh, the things that uh, matter to me. Sure, right? Yeah, so uh, we'll kick off with that. Uh, so as I was saying, I, I love eating, I love food, I love all kinds of food, and uh, I also love all kinds of uh, cuisines uh, yeah. and <laughs> meat. All types of meat um, are perfectly fine with me, right? Right, so um, this is something that has been with me. From the time i was a kid i've I've always been like this big eater and eating different mm-hmm. kinds of meat is like part of the uh experience for me right um currently um my wife vidya she is a vegetarian um, and because of that at home we cook only vegetarian food right and what we eat at home is mostly vegetarian <laughs> except for those rare times when we order in non-vegetarian food <laughs> Um, so which means that my, um, context for eating non-vegetarian food is, uh, uh, is quite limited. It is, uh, when we're traveling, um, obviously there are more opportunities to eat non-vegetarian right. food. Right. Um, the other context where I eat non-vegetarian food is when we go out to eat. Um, not, mm. not, no, it's not too rare an occasion, but it's not, doesn't happen too often as well. And, uh, of course, the special context for me is uh, also when uh, when I conduct my food walks, right. um, which, uh, shameless plug here, which is <laughs> like the best thing that if you're a visitor in Hyderabad, that's like the top thing you can do.
1: Hey, it's not uh, shameless plugging. I would vouch for that. Um, and I've recommended several visitors your way. So yeah, I'll, I'll oh, second yeah. <laughs> that recommendation. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. and And as you know... The food is phenomenal on that walk, yeah. and yeah. most of it is yeah. non-vegetarian as well. Right. So that is another um, uh, context where I get to eat a lot of non-vegetarian food. Now this is uh, roughly how um, you know my current food landscape, if you want to call that, mm. um, looks like. Um, but for me, um, it has been um, like a, a diet of a food it's complete with meat in it. Hmm. There's no, um, I don't have any specific uh, reason not to eat meat uh, historically from the time I've been a child. Right. right. So that's kind of my, um, my, uh, the background, if you want it. Uh-huh. Uh, right. Uh, the only, um, only exception I would say is because I'm allergic to uh, certain types of seafood. Right. Uh, that, and, To my eternal regret, right? Right. Uh, Can you believe it? I've never eaten lobster because I'm allergic.
1: Well, I mean, the the way to live with that is to remind yourself a lobster is basically in the same family as cockroaches.
0: Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's literally a sea cockroach. Look it up, people. Oh, man. To be fair, I have eaten cockroaches. (laughs) But... Um, yeah, but except for that, yeah. right, uh, my uh, my eating is like all-encompassing. Um, so uh, on my recent trip to Egypt, I ticked off pigeons from that list. Ooh, yeah. nice. Terrible flying rats were in, but yeah, had to be eaten. Had I'm, to be I'm sensing
1: eaten. a real theme here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the exterminator. Yeah. The exterminator, if you will. Oh, oh okay. Too far. we yeah, we'll yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, So that's the context. That's that's kind of the context. Um, And I I really do enjoy it as well. Um, Like when I travel, I go look for culinary experiences that are cultural, that are part of uh, the local culture. Right. Um, And more often than not, it involves trying exotic meats. Um, uh, Well, exotic to me, but it's everyday to them.
1: Yeah, and I I guess you and I are both also from a generation where meat eating is still considered sort of a luxury and a treat. You know, um, uh, certainly growing up, I had that experience where meat was something you had once in a while, usually on a Sunday. There would be a huge production behind it. um, uh, You know, or you would only eat it when you went out to fancy places. And there was almost a a degree of... um, bragging involved in, oh, I've eaten this, that and the other thing. So I remember bragging about having tasted wild boar meat and octopus. And, you know, uh, whether or not I've had a haggis uh, is still debatable, because I don't think I had the authentic thing. But you you know what I mean, there was a degree of fascination and luxury attached to the eating of meat, at least for me, um, I don't know if that was a factor at all in your approach.
0: It definitely was, but um I, I don't think that that was uh, too much of a factor
1: hmm.
0: um from the point of view that it was a luxury. it was something that was uh it was definitely part of our diet. Hmm. Um, I grew up in a Christian household in uh, South India, and for us, meat was. It were, It had to be there on the table. Right. right, right. Every single day. Mm. Uh, I, at, at my house, most days we had some form of uh, non-vegetarian food or the other. Right. And I've actually uh, had the experience of uh, visiting uh, people from the previous generation to mine, mm. where uh, they would say, like, a table without meat on it is incomplete. Right. So, like, right. early in the morning you go for uh, breakfast, you have idlis with a mutton curry for example right, right. which was uh, quite uh, unusual um but it was like a mainstay of the food so it was definitely a part of uh, food as i was growing up food and food experiences growing up okay so it is definitely not a uh, uh, not something that i would be part of my natural urge to kind of give up okay yeah. Right. So that that's the context. That's that's where we're coming from. That's where we're having this whole conversation from. Mm. And uh, anyone who knows me knows that I love my meat as well. Yeah. yeah. So um, for me to be talking about this is, uh, it's really out of character, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, uh, which is why also that also is a huge part of the dilemma as well. Right. So um, we'll stop here for a little break. And... Uh, when we come back, we'll talk more about um, my brushes with vegetarianism in the past.
1: Alright, so Naveen, um, I'll, I'll share a little personal sort of anecdote, um, you know, the, the way you talked about how you were brought up in relation to meat eating. I grew up in a Brahmin household in India, Um, And we weren't conservative by any means, but like I said, meat was something you only had on special days or when you went out. Um, But I am a particularly voracious meat eater if left to my own devices. So one of the things I remember very vividly doing in school is uh, exchanging tiffin boxes with my friend Sohail, who would carry meat in the lunchbox exclusively for me, and his mom, who was uh, Hyderabadi, and an amazing cook, uh, got me addicted to Hyderabadi biryani and kebab (laughs) very early on. Uh, So that's a good
0: thing to be addicted to. Yeah, no, well,
1: we'll we'll see about that. We'll see as you lay out the dilemma. But yeah, I mean, I I think I'm as avid a meat eater. And like I said, I I share that dilemma. So interesting, um, will be interesting to get into uh, sort of the next segment where you lay it out for us what what the problem is.
0: Absolutely. Um, so what we'll do now is talk basically about uh, vegetarianism as a concept, um, especially here in India, mm. and uh, you kind know, of find a way around that uh, and feel our way around that as uh, we speak around it. So um, in India, vegetarianism means you don't eat meat, right? You don't eat. Yeah. Uh, um, Chicken, fish, lamb. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no chicken, fish, lamb. Uh, eggs are okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's okay to eat eggs if you're vegetarian, but uh, that's roughly what it means when you say I am vegetarian in India, mostly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and here it's based more on religion than on anything else. Mm. Um, especially while growing up, right? We had a lot of friends, um, in school, especially right, because you all eat together mostly. Right. So we had um, friends who wouldn't eat meat because uh, of their religious beliefs. Mm. Uh, we had Brahmin friends, had Jain friends um, who would who'd have uh, food that was entirely meat-free. And uh, we did not find it strange at all. Mm. We wouldn't think that it was strange that this guy did not eat meat. We just got it that he didn't. But, um, and we as well, right? When uh, uh, we grew up, I grew up in a Christian household, which meant that uh, during Lent, for those Mm. 40 days, we would uh, go without meat. Right. Um, Just to give you an idea of how difficult it was, um, we also had holidays on Sundays. Then (laughs) we would eat like a lot of meat on Sundays, (laughs) especially during Lent. Wow. Yeah, it it was tough. It was really tough. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so um, mostly the, um, um, the vegetarianism was imposed by religion uh, rather than anything else. but in the current day, um, and where my scenario, my dilemma originates from, um, the uh, vegetarianism I am talking about is environmental. Um, okay, it is the urge to be vegetarian, with, to give up meat uh, and related products, uh, because of the toll that takes on the environment. Right. right. That is that's the dilemma. Right. So environmental vegetarianism is essentially to give up those parts of your, uh, of your meat based diet Mm. um, because it has a big impact on uh, the environment. Uh, So for, for example, if you eat say a plate of rice versus uh, a plate of meat, Mm. right? What is the environmental cost to produce that plate of food? Right. For rice, there is this much water has to be spent, this right. much energy has to be expended, um, this much fertilizer goes in the soil, all of that. right? Yeah, yeah. These are all impacts on the environment. Um, now, obviously think about if you have to grow an animal for meat, mm. um, say a lamb, right? you're going to first do a whole bunch of, you, you need to gather the grass, um, yeah. the production of which itself has already taken an environmental toll. Right. So just by definition, meat is way more intense on the environment.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think the, the shorthand to kind of quantify that is uh, to speak in terms of either the kilograms or tons of CO2 it takes to put a plate of veggies on your uh, table versus a plate of meat. Um, and again, depending on the, the meat in question, whether it's, you know, beef is environmentally the one with the highest toll. Followed by probably pork, followed by uh lamb and goat mutton, followed by chicken and you know, so on. But yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. You you're basically totaling up all the resources that went into that morsel that's sitting on your plate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a nice way of breaking it down. Um so that that is the environmental cost, right? Mm-hmm. And uh it's today it's easier. Uh, more easier today to like compute that cost for anything that you eat yeah uh, than it was before um, Also we um, we in India we have this uh, problem where the meat industry has all levels of problems associated mm. with it True. right yeah um, and cruelty being a big part of it mm. right So in addition to the toll on the environment, it's also not very good for the uh, animals or the even the people working in that uh, field in India. True. True. So there are all kinds of problems with eating meat in India, right? The so, other side is that in India, being vegetarian is relatively easier because culturally we've been, we've had large portions of the population in different places mm. um, being vegetarian. So which means that um, vegetarian food is easily available. There right. is a variety of vegetarian food. Uh, Even making, cooking and making a vegetarian food is uh, done very locally. Um, You don't have to, there are no huge transport costs involved in, um, you know, growing special vegetarian food in some place and importing it to you. It's just grown everywhere. True. So in India, being vegetarian is easy and it's easy on the environment as well. Right. So this is, um, this roughly is like the uh, um, vegetarianism we're talking about right here. Interesting. Okay.
1: so I'll I'll just add two points very quickly. Sure. Uh, to that, um, one is I I think particularly since you're approaching this from the environmental vegetarianism perspective, mm-hmm. it's important to note that you can also eat vegetables that are uh, ridiculously damaging, um, <clears throat> that are ridiculously damaging in terms of the environmental cost. Because so, for example, if you're in India. And you order up a, a plate of uh, chips and guacamole. Yep. If the avocados to make that guacamole have been flown in from abroad, um, you're probably doing more damage than if you'd just eaten some uh, locally grown mutton. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And uh, so I, I think it's also about awareness. You need to be aware of where your food is coming from. And that's a difficult thing to do in India, honestly. <laughs> food isn't labeled accurately, you don't know where it's sourced from, etc. And and the, the second point I'll make is, uh, you know, I don't think we can um, in any way downplay the importance of um, the ethical case for vegetarianism where, you know, an animal is dying and feeling a lot of pain along the way uh, in order to end up on your plate. Um, uh, it, American style factory farming is very much making its entry globally. And I remember watching this um, documentary called Food Incorporated back in 2009 or mm-hmm. 2010, I think it was. And that really opened my eyes to uh, factory farming, the sort of ridiculous conditions that animals are kept in before they are slaughtered, the mm-hmm. way they are slaughtered. It's all just, you know, the the, the ethical case, frankly, keeps me up night sometimes. Uh, it's, it's horrible. So just wanted to introduce those two as you know we're not we're not minimizing uh the impact that even eating the wrong veggies can have on the environment nor are we sort of giving short shrift to the ethical case for vegetarianism i think you're just saying top of mind for you is the environmental aspect
0: oh absolutely yes yes so which is why i was talking about uh to talk to the first point that you made um i said in india it's easy to be uh, vegetarian and easy on the environment because mm-hmm. the things mm-hmm. that we cook here and eat are everything's grown locally. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, easily, every single thing we cook at home, everything's probably produced within a hundred kilometers of where we live. In so the the environmental cost is really low for that. And yeah. it, absolutely true. I mean, uh, there is uh, uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, labeling just does not exist in India. Yeah. I mean, let's let's just be honest about it. True. Um, And the other part that you said is what I, uh, about, uh, you know, the ethical case, and especially in India is uh, part of what I meant by when I said that the meat industry in India Mm -hmm. is problematic. It's extremely problematic on every single front that you can think of. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's why. So, and this, uh, this, this is not something which is very recent, but it's assumed larger proportions recently. Mm. I've had, I've made a couple of attempts at vegetarianism in the past. A few years ago, um, I want to say it was about like seven or eight years ago, I tried doing this. I went vegetarian for about, I want to six to seven weeks. Okay. Uh, I had a terrible time because uh, I was physically incapable of it. I had these crazy meat cravings. I had wow. to eat meat. Okay. Um, so uh, that, that was terrible. That was, uh, and I had to kind of uh, give up on it after a few weeks. Uh, then more recently, this about a couple of years ago, I tried this. I hmm. went for uh, almost seven months. It was slightly more than six months. Oh, nice. Without uh, without any uh, meat or meat products. And I was perfectly all right. No meat cravings. I was really happy to report that. Right. Um, and at that point, I kind of, uh, it just came back, right? I mean, at the end of it, it was just like, okay, I mean, it didn't make too much difference to my lifestyle. So I just kind of just resumed right. my normal diet. Mm. But a couple of things I learned during that point was it was not difficult at all, Mm. Um, and it was, uh, um, and I could do it. More importantly, right, it wasn't didn't take it wasn't like too much of a willpower thing for me, right? Right. So those were my previous attempts at vegetarianism. So uh, I know right now that if I say that okay, that's it, I'm pulling the plug, I'm going vegetarian, um, I won't face any serious issues, but. Um, that That's what the dilemma is about, right? right. And we'll uh, talk more about it when we come back after a break. Okay, look forward to it. Okay, welcome back from the break. Uh, before we uh, head off into more complicated dilemma talking, let's have a diversion from Rishi.
1: Yes, and uh, Naveen, I have something really, really, uh, as they say in Hindi, halka (laughs) fulka for (laughs) you. Because you picked such a heavy duty main topic, I thought I would come at you with some flim flam topic. um, So yeah, it's it's an English rule or a rule of the English language that we all follow, but very few of us are aware of. All right. Nice. So tell me what is wrong with the following sets of words I say dong ding flop flip saucy oh that, that's just not English that's wrong right that's yeah. just wrong so you know and I know that you never say saucy you say see saw yep. you never say dong ding you say ding dong and if you've got three in a row uh, like bish bash bosh you never say bosh bash bish
0: okay now, I did not know that was a rule I know that it just sounds wrong but I had no idea it was a rule. Right. So very few people did. And apparently this is something
1: that uh, has always been known, but it's been rediscovered, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's uh, something that um, a author called Mark Forsyth uh, recently found and he went viral when he, when he uh, sort of uh, published it. Uh, I must say this came to my notice because one of our listeners, Ajay, uh, retweeted this uh, and I happened to look at it. So... The, the whole thing about uh, reusing the same set of uh, sounds, right? Like mm-hmm. choo-choo, uh, the, the way a kid would describe a train or um, anything like that is called reduplication. Okay. Where you're reduplicating a sound. Right. But where you are changing the uh, second or at times third uh, vowel mm-hmm. involved in the reduplication, it's called a blout reduplication.
2: Oh, okay.
1: And the rule of a blout reduplication is if there are three words, then the order has to be E, R, O. And if there are two words, the first is always E, and the second is always A or O. Oh wow. All okay. Right? So you will say flip flam, bish bash bosh. Uh you know, uh um, yeah, flip-flops, yeah. Flip-flop, tick tock, right. splish, splash. Yep. You will never say tock tick. <laughs> That''s, that's fantastic Google it and we'll put some links uh, reference links in the episode description for you
0: that's fantastic that's brilliant it's 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 so comforting to know that there are actually laws governing this thing <laughs> very true.
1: Alright, Naveen, we're back from the break and uh, I I guess it's time now to take the bull by its horns, so to speak. Um, And, uh, you know, it it would be really interesting for me uh, if you could tell us what this dilemma is in sort of black and white and then um, talk about how you're dealing with it. Okay,
0: sure. So... Like we saw, um, we kind of got an idea of the context um, on how, um, what's in the context of me being a meat-eater and we took a look at um, vegetarianism and why it's better, right? Right. So here's the dilemma for me, right? In spite of all these good reasons um, that I accept uh, to be a vegetarian, I'm still not a vegetarian, right? Mm. And. Uh, for me, it's increasingly difficult to have this dissonance in my head, right? On the he- in my head, I know it is right; it is the right thing to do to be a vegetarian. But um, in practice, I'm not a vegetarian, and this is the dilemma that I'm talking about, right? So I'll I'll talk a little bit uh, about the different facets of it okay. Uh, now. Right? Okay. So what are the what are the excuses that I give for me? um not being a veget- uh, vegetarian or, mm. or continuing mm. to eat meat right the first is obviously the uh, the old tried and tested thing right it's saying that oh you know it tastes so good right, right? Okay. I, I can't live without this taste in my life mm. and so that that is um uh, that's perhaps the uh, most common excuse that you will hear and um, yeah i mean it is it is a it's it's like it's like saying it's a personal choice, right, to uh, exercise that um, I really like this taste and so I continue eating meat. Mm. Mm. Right, so that's that's the first excuse. The other excuse is the one that is in all the debates, which we say that you know we are built to be meat eaters, right? Human yeah. beings are built to be meat eaters. Mm. Um, yeah, it is true. Yes, we are built to be meat eaters right and that that is a common excuse that is used
1: are we though are
0: we i i don't
1: buy that because okay i mean it's it's a whole other thing i think we could do a whole episode on whether we are built to be meat eaters or not but suffice it to say um there's very good points uh against that and and there are points that uh can be made to show that actually because humanity came together and invented agriculture, we've moved away from being meat eaters, evolutionarily speaking.
0: Fair enough. Um, It's still uh, uh, That's not not a path I'm going down. I'm just saying that this is an excuse that we use. Um, The the third excuse is uh, that it is inconvenient mm -hmm. and it causes inconvenience to people when you're visiting them or when you're going out and a group of you, and you know, you're saying, okay, right. I won't want to go there because I want vegetarian food. So it's inconvenient, it causes inconvenience, is another excuse. Right. And all of these are uh, excuses that I myself have used. Mm-hmm. Um so but for me, increasingly, none of this is holding true. Yeah. Right. My choice, my taste, um, is not more important than our planet. Mm. Right. And uh the taste turns to ashes in my mouth when you think of what is the price that is being paid for that taste. Very true. Yeah. Right? So it's it's no longer a tenable excuse. None of these, I mean, it becomes increasingly difficult to convince myself mm-hmm. that I should eat meat because of these excuses. Right.
1: right? I mean, l- let me just add to your list a, a couple of the others that, because I must admit I am in exactly the same dilemma mm-hmm. and I am exactly where you are with an added Dose maybe of um i I feel quite strongly about the ethical side of this as well, besides the environmentalism right uh, right, so you know, having a pet cat having hobs around yep. um and l- it it is fundamentally um opposed philosophically to eating meat if you have a pet in my mind, because I mean, there are cultures that eat cats there are cultures that right. eat dogs, yep. right? There are cultures that domesticate pigs as pets, not just as a source of food. So what? where do you draw the line? Why is it okay to eat a chicken or a lamb, but it is not okay to eat a cat or a dog? Um, so I, I used to be um, one of those guys that, you know, very bleedly uh, said, oh, I'll eat Dog meat, <laughs> um, but no, I I won't. Right? I mean, Hobbs, uh, th- my cat is now a family member, and I can't think of cats and dogs as food anymore. So why am I thinking of chickens and uh, lambs as food? Uh, so you know, that's that's one excuse and it's deconstruction. And then the last one is a really cynical part of me, kind of things. Oh, what difference is me eating locally grown vegetarian food going to make when the planet is going to hell in a handbasket yep. anyway? Yep. Right? Yep. Um, yeah. So just sorry, just adding to your weight or to the weight on your <laughs> shoulders there. A no, bit. no. Um, the
0: the last one is actually quite the um, quite the kicker, actually. Mm. Right? Um, it's the thing that uh, when you unwrap a chocolate uh, and put the wrapper in your pocket. Yeah. Versus putting it on the ground where a thousand others have thrown it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but we do put it in our pockets. Yeah. And, that's true. Uh, yeah. Call it, um, call it blood money if you want, call it <laughs> assuaging your conscience. But from, for me, that is a no brainer. I mean, I'm, I'm fine doing that. Right. Um, It's not about, uh, I mean, it's my bit and I'm, I'm okay doing that. Right. Um, but for me, one of the things that uh, still is difficult to get over or get around um, is the uh, cultural question. Hmm. Right. So um, I come here to partake in your culture. Right. Right. And food is one of the determining facets of culture. Yeah, sure. And if I'm unable to uh, partake of that, then I'm denying that. Right. It's not that I'm denying myself the experience of your culture.
2: Mm.
0: I'm also kind of putting a hard wall or a hard line and saying uh, that's, that's something where I cannot um, mm. accept it. Right. True. So True. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not articulating this well, but it's kind of that, that is for me the most difficult part of this whole thing. No,
1: it's, it's, I, I guess the analogy I would use to just draw that out a little bit is if a uh, hardcore prohibitionist or somebody who is absolutely opposed to drinking alcohol uh, wants to enjoy Napa Valley mm-hmm. right yeah I mean you'll, you'll go there you'll see the scenery and you'll love the grape vines, maybe eat a few grapes but that's not what that place is about that place is a wine growing region that is known for its wineries and you don't partake of wine whatever your reasons maybe you may have Religious grounds not to partake of wine, but that means that you are making a choice that has effectively cut off Napa Valley as a destination from your list.
0: Fair. It seems to be too much of a first-world thing to me, though. Um, I mean, it's a you're, okay, fine. Yeah, you're not going to go to Napa Valley, mm. but um, I'm talking more about from a um, uh, how would I say this? From an everyday perspective, right? let right. like, see. Think about mm. it this way: um, we live in Hyderabad.
1: Oh yeah, not an easy city for vegetarians by any stretch, right? Yeah. Uh,
0: okay. No, no, I'm I'm not even going there. I'm okay. just saying we we live in Hyderabad, right? So we're part of the society here. Yeah, and we we go and we partake of that culture, mm. right? And uh, a large part of that culture is the food of the city,
2: mm. Mm.
0: right? And that is where the it becomes problematic for me, where I'm saying I'm fine with. uh, I'm. I'm. I'll partake of all aspects of your culture, right? But because of this one personal choice of mine, I will not partake in one fundamental aspect of your culture,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that, to me, I cannot reconcile that in my head. Right. Right. That, that. That. That seems hypocritical to myself. Right. 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 And therein lies the crux of this whole dilemma, which being which of this is actually part of uh, being me mm. right and that's that's always the thing so it's very easy to stand apart uh, from this situation outside and say that you know what this just doesn't make sense it's such a small thing right? Uh, just go vegetarian it's, it's a very easy step to take mm. but that, that exactly is the dilemma right because for right. me one of the things that I've tried very hard to do um, especially after um, after I've quit my corporate job and, you know, doing, pursuing my own thing Yeah, is try to lead a life that is authentic. Right. Right. So right. the urge to be authentic kind of is overarchingly above everything else. And there's, this problem lies within that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So um, I, I was telling, uh, we were talking about this, uh, one of the, one of my guests, um, I was taking him on a, we, we were having lunch in right. Shadab, right. a fantastic kebabs and biryani lunch and uh, we were talking about this exact same thing um mm-hmm. about how it's no longer viable i mean we are in a place where uh, he he was from he was from uh, he was from a big world city okay and uh, he was saying how none of us any longer have any reason to eat meat other than as a luxury mm-hmm. we all have choices we all have choices that are more responsible than just eating meat true and true. we were talking about that and so and then um he was very laughingly saying Oh, it would be a shame if you went vegetarian because here you would be uh, feeding me all the delicacies of your city, but you would not be partaking in any of that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And he he said it as a joke. For me, it struck me as it would be a very inauthentic experience. Yeah, very true. I took a bunch of people out and I said, you know, this is the very best our city has to offer. Come and eat all of this, but right. you know what? I'm not going to be eating any of this because you know I'm vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. and that for me does not sit at all. Right. right, right. And for me, that is the crux of the whole thing. Mm.
2: Um,
0: it this is and it's this is not something th- this has been going on for a while in my head. Right, and uh, I don't see a resolution anytime in the near future.
1: So it's it's interesting, right? Because um, again, let let me introduce a couple of things into the conversation um, one of my best friends growing up um, around the time we stopped being teenagers uh, went fully vegetarian mm-hmm. and he was as much as a meat lover as me right. and we've stayed in touch over the years and uh, I remember one of the times when we were on holiday together with our families um, he told me he was in the teeth of a dilemma himself Right, not what you think he was worried about whether him being vegetarian is ethical enough because he's not vegan <laughs> right yeah right so yep. he was feeling guilty about for example uh eating and drinking dairy products mm-hmm. or using wool or leather right and and so on because his his mm-hmm. whole stance uh, his decision wasn't so much about environmental vegetarianism as it was about ethical vegetarianism right and so his quandary was here I am. I s- consider myself superior, she to you because I don't subject animals to pain for food. But actually, I do because the dairy cow's life hasn't improved because of me going vegetarian. Because I'm not yet vegan, right? Um, and it it was pretty much the same thing for him. But for him, the the quandary was it would be a major lifestyle impact. And and just on the flip side of this, um, I should say I know quite a few vegans, and. I know uh, there are a couple of my nieces um, that are based in Australia and they've gone completely vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about it on a podcast, actually. One of my nieces will link to that.
0: Ooh, we should get her on this.
1: Yeah, yeah, we should. <laughs> but but this is the thing. I mean, they found the um, transition really hard from meat eating to vegetarian to vegan. And But it's possible in, in today's world, in any... Country or any world city, you can actually go vegetarian or vegan depending on your choice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I have exactly the same moral dilemma.
0: So, see, this is what makes it so difficult. For me, none of this applies. I mean, there is mm. no, there, it's going to make no difference to my lifestyle whatsoever. Right. Right. It's going to be the easiest thing in the world for me to say that, yeah, I'm vegetarian now onwards. Mm. And that exactly is where my dilemma is at. Right. Right. For me, it's easy to say that, easy to do that. Right. But it does not make me feel authentic. Right. So the, the dilemma is entirely in me, it's in my head. Right. right? And th- that is exactly what is so difficult here. It's not like, oh, it'll be difficult for me if I turn vegetarian because there's no that. Mm. The only uh, answer to that is that I will feel inauthentic. It's think, not me.
1: You know, with a friend's revival coming up, it's like uh, we should quote Phoebe Buffet. Yeah, I wish I could, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's a good note
0: to end this <laughs> on. <laughs> all right.
1: Well, actually, I've I've got a I've got a better thing. Um, uh-huh. I'll, I'll just plant this seed of an idea right now. Sure. Um we'll we'll come back to it, but So, first of all, you know, anybody that's listening, it must be clear to you that we don't know what the right answer is. Yeah, and we are both in the horns of this dilemma. Yeah. Uh, so by all means, you know, send us your thoughts, your, uh, your answers, your solutions to this problem. If you have felt it, faced it, solved it, uh, we would eagerly await that. But here's the other thing I just thought of, Naveen, and, you know, thinking this up in real time, so I haven't really uh, uh, formulated it fully. Mm-hmm. How about you and I, at some stage, go on a 30 or 60 day vegetarian challenge come back and record a podcast about how that felt. Oh yeah,
0: that sounds, that sounds like a thing. Do you want to do it like right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, we just had a massive burrito lunch filled with me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's, let's do that. Uh, so, okay, so here's a promise to you, our podcast listeners. Uh, we will do a 30 or 60 day challenge. We'll, we'll confirm it on our socials at some point and uh, come back and record a podcast on the other side.
0: You know, if we did it, if we did a 40-day thing starting around now, it would seem suspiciously like we were observing Lent. <laughs> it just started, I think, this week. So. Oh, yeah. All right. I mean, you know, I, I don't mind calling it Lent, but I ain't doing Ash
1: Wednesday. <laughs> All right.
0: All right, then. All right, folks. So tell us what you think about this. Uh, really appreciate any thoughts on this.
1: Yeah. And uh, this has been two very... Puzzled Bantamin.
0: Thanks for listening. We are the Bantaman, Naveen and Rishi. Check out our website bantaman.com for extras and photos from today's episode. They're available on your favorite platform including Google, Apple, or Stitcher podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe
1: if we've managed to intrigue you and please leave a rating and a review. Leave us your thoughts on anything we've discussed here today. We await your feedback and any questions you want us to answer. Ideas for future episodes are also welcome.